My name is Pastor Mike Landsman, and this is the podcast for Zion Stone United Church of Christ. This podcast is taken from my weekly Sunday morning sermons. I pray that as you listen to them, they will be a blessing to you and strengthen you in your walk with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Here's what we have for today. Let us pray. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. My sermon title this morning is Crumbs, Dogs, and Grafted Branches. We'll be dealing primarily from the text from the Gospel according to St. Matthew, as well as some of the reading that we heard from St. Paul's Epistle to the Romans. So in the text, Matthew 15, verses 21 to 28, right before this happens, Jesus is confronted by the Pharisees from Jerusalem. And he, they accuse him of letting his disciples break tradition. And Jesus flips the script, and he lays out how their tradition nullified what God had actually commanded in the Torah. We have, what we have to keep in mind when we hear stories like that is the disciples are not actually breaking the Torah at all, actually. What's happening is, is that the Torah, the way of life that God had given them, was something that through their traditions they had added on to, okay? They had added on to, in, in, not in a bad sense necessarily. They were trying to figure out how do we follow this as best we can. But what starts to happen is the way that they live this out starts to actually be in direct contradiction to how the law of God has laid out for them to live. And Jesus calls this out. And after this confrontation, he withdraws to Tyre and to Sidon, which is outside of the Hebrew people, right? It's, it's a, outside the area of Judea. And a Canaanite woman here approaches Jesus, right? So this is important because the identifier as a Canaanite in the district of Tyre and Sidon. In some of the other gospels, they refer to her as the Syrophoenician woman. She is not part of the Hebrew people. So as being a Canaanite woman or a Syrophoenician woman, she has no Torah. She has not been given the law of God. They have no promises from God. They have no faith in the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. They're not part of God's people, most likely a pagan of some type. And her being outside of the Hebrew people, come, she comes to Jesus and she says, Have mercy on me, O Lord. Have mercy on me. She asks him for mercy. She needs him to do something for her. And she acknowledges him as the Lord, the son of David. She recognizes who he is. He is the Davidic king. But these titles are not titles that the Canaanite would use or even recognize. These are titles for the Jewish Messiah, for the Jewish people, for the Jewish king. And we see in the story her daughter is afflicted by a demonic presence. And in response to her cry for mercy, Jesus ignores her. And I think when we're confronted with these parts of the text, our immediate reaction is to recoil. But we need to sit with it and dig deep into these stories to find out what's going on. And when Jesus ignores her request, what does she do? Does she slink away? No. What does she do? She follows after him, crying out, Have mercy on me. O Lord, son of David, have mercy on me. She follows after him, crying this out. 
And we have to ask ourselves the question, well, why does he ignore her? And there's a lot of, a lot of Christian thought on this. And I love what St. Augustine says when he wrote, she was ignored, not that mercy might be denied, but that desire may be enkindled. So he notes that she's ignored, not that her, she was, Jesus was going to tell her no, but she's ignored because it's meant to inflame in her a deeper desire. And this, her following him around, the disciples are bothered by this. And they say, please send her away. And so when Jesus turns around, does he send her away? No, he doesn't. He doesn't say, go away. Leave me alone. You're bothering me. I just healed a bunch of people. I just, you know, I raised the dead and I like transformed a bunch of loaves and fishes and fed 5,000 people. I'm really tired and I'm annoyed. Go away. Leave me alone. I'm cranky and grumpy. No, he just turns to her simply and says, I'm sent to the lost sheep of Israel, right? In other words, my mission, why I am here, is directed primarily in this direction. And St. Paul reflects on this earlier in Romans chapter 9, verses 4 through 5, when he says, the Israelites, to them belong the adoption, the glory, the covenants, the giving of the law, the worship, and the promises. To them belong the patriarchs, and from their race, according to the flesh, is the Christ, who is God over all, blessed forever. Amen. In other words, the Israelites are the one that God has chosen. The Israelites are the ones who have the promises of being adopted into God's family, of his glory. They've been given the covenants. They've been given the Torah, how God wants to be worshipped, how they're supposed to do that. And all of the promises given to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob that then are theirs. This belongs to them. And Jesus primarily is focused on this part of his mission. Because... The Gentiles are not going to be ignored. From Jesus' mission to his people, that's then meant to go out and to spread out into the surrounding nations. Just as the prophets reminded us in the Old Testament that that was Israel's calling even back then. That the worship of the true God from them would spread out. But what we see actually happening in the Old Testament often is the reverse of that. That they become enamored by other gods and neglect and forsake the God who called them and saved them. And Jesus says to her, it's not right to give the children's food to the dogs. And that, that one stings a little bit, right? But let me ask you a question, okay? Who needs the nutrition the most? A child or a dog? Right? A child or a dog? I'm going to go out of a limb here and I'm going to say a child. Okay? Like if, if I had, if I had like, if something happened and you know, Shantae was away visiting her parents in Virginia or something and the apocalypse happened and she's trying to like fight her way back and I'm, I've got Isaac with me or something, right? We have a dog and I have like one hot dog left, right? And I say, and I have a dog and I have Isaac and Isaac's like, dad, I'm really hungry. Can I eat that? And the dog just looks at me like this and he, of course I'm going to take the hot dog and I'm going to give it to my son. I'm not going to give the hot dog to a dog, right? Because he needs it more. He needs it more than the dog does because he's my son. I'm not saying don't feed your pets. I'm not saying dogs don't matter, right? But the best food, the most nutritious food, the most delicious food, the most well-prepared food is not for the animals. It's for the family. It's for the family. When I make carne asada tacos, 
I don't leave some behind and then take it and find a dog and like throw it out in the street. I make carne asada tacos to feed the family. The feast belongs to the family first. But then again, brothers and sisters, we also have to remember that the dogs are kind of part of our family too. I'm not saying that they're, not part, they're unimportant, but our pets are kind of part of our family as well. And so she responds, right? Jesus, yes, that's true, but even the dogs can eat the crumbs that fall off of the table to the ground, right? So the family feast, the food that is given the children, some of it can fall on the ground and the dogs can still partake of the food that's been given to them. And Jesus says, great is your faith. And so we look at this story, we like, what is happening here? And let me tell you something, when, pre when prepping for this story and preaching this story, there's a lot of good takes and there's a lot of bad takes. And I'm surprised how many bad takes there are. But generally speaking, most of the bad takes can be summarized like this. And the reason why I'm telling you this is because if you ever hear a sermon and somebody preaches something like this, you can say, I don't know, five years ago I heard Pastor Mike preach this in church and that, that, this doesn't seem to sit right with me. This is a very bad way of understanding this story, and I'm going to read it to you right now, just a small quote. This is the great lesson of the Syrophoenician woman. It teaches us the dynamics of power and prejudice, of how even the best of humanity, the incarnation himself, can get caught up in systems of oppression and a culture of supremacy. Like many of us today, Jesus would have been reared into a prejudiced worldview. Do you see what they just said there? They just said that Jesus is racist, and Jesus is a misogynist, and that Jesus is privileged. And so this story is to teach us, is to teach Jesus how Jesus is not supposed to be racist, how Jesus is not supposed to be misogynist, and how Jesus is not supposed to be privileged. That's blasphemous, brothers and sisters, because it's sinful to be those things. And our Lord is without sin. This is not the point of the story. That Jesus needs to learn how not to be racist or not to be privileged. And this point of view makes no sense, right? Because the cross, they would see it as someone who has no privilege being you know, killed by the state or something like that. Does Jesus have privilege or doesn't he have privilege? Anyway, these, you don't, don't expect these views to make sense, right? So if you ever hear that this is bad, and I say this to you as a warning, that most of these interpretations of Scripture start with a conclusion in mind and work their way backwards. And that's not how we read and understand the text. Here's what's going on. Her response to Jesus saying, the food doesn't belong to the dogs, it belongs to the children. Her response indicates that she understands that she has no right to ask what she's asking of him. We have to understand this, right? She knows that she has no right to come to Jesus. She knows that she's not part of the Jewish people. She knows she's not part of God's elect, right? She has no right to ask anything of him. She has no part with them. But she asks anyway because her daughter is sick. And she knows that Jesus can bring healing and salvation. See, in her response to him, she shows her faith. By being willing to not even be given a seat at the table, but to eat whatever leftovers he's willing to give her. And Jesus responds, great is your faith. And this is important because it frames Jesus' response in something we've seen earlier in chapter 15. 
And we have to remember, we don't read texts of Scripture in isolation. So this is important to note, right? When we read this story, we have to remember earlier in chapter 15, he talks a lot about defilement, right? It's something that flows out of a wicked heart, right? He's saying it's not the things that go into you that, that defiles you. It's what comes out of your wicked heart as relayed through what you say. So the inverse of this will be true also, right? So, so in that story, Jesus has just come from a group of people to whom he is called, right? The Jewish people. He's been called to minister to them, but they reject him. And this is reflected in how they attack him with accusation. Your disciples break the law. They accuse him, which highlights the evil in their own hearts. Now think about this story, which happens right after you have a woman who is not part of God's people. Through what she says, she shows what's in her heart, which Jesus acknowledges. Great faith. And we see this so often in the Gospels, brothers and sisters. Those who should receive him first reject him. And those who should reject him first receive him first. Now with that in mind, let's think about what we heard read in the text from St. Paul's epistle to the Romans in chapter 11. He talks a lot about grafted branches. And in this part of Romans, Paul's speaking specifically to the Gentile Christians, right? The non-Jewish Christians. And his point here is don't get arrogant. Don't get prideful. And we would say, well, why would they get arrogant or why would they get prideful? And remember, in the story, in the Gospels, Jesus is constantly coming up against people who think because God gave us the covenant, God gave us the Torah, God took us to Sinai, we have the patriarchs, they became proud in who they were and they missed what God was doing. He has to give the same lesson here to the Gentiles and Romans. Don't get arrogant because, he says, Many of the Jews have rejected Jesus, and many of the Gentiles have received Jesus. But you, as the Gentiles, you're broken branches. Right? So, if the people who were the natural branches of the tree can be cut off through unbelief, then so can you, who were offshoots of a tree that have been grafted back in. Right? So, he's saying in this text, you Gentiles, you're a completely different wild growing tree. Your branches have been cut off. So, what God has done, he's taken these wild branches that have been cut off from this wild growing tree, and he's taken them and he's grafted them back onto a cultivated and tended tree. Unbelief breaks us from the tree regardless of who we are. Paul's point is no one has excuse and no one can boast in anything. No one has excuse and no one can boast in anything. And God calls not just the people who were his elect, but he also calls the foreigner to salvation, as we heard read in Isaiah chapter 56. I'll read a, a brief passage here. And the foreigners who join themselves to the Lord to minister to him, to love the name of the Lord and to be his servants, Everyone who keeps the Sabbath and does not profane it and holds fast my covenant, these I will bring to my holy mountain and make them joyful in my house of prayer. Their offerings and their sacrifices will be accepted on my altar, for my house shall be called a house of prayer for all peoples. So we see this promise here in Isaiah that the foreigner who joins themselves to the Lord, the Lord will receive their prayers and their sacrifices. And so then we think back on everything we just heard about the story of the Syrophoenician woman. And we actually see a story of a foreigner 
who is outside of the people of God, joining herself to the people of God. And Jesus granting her request and giving her a seat at the table with his children, giving her the food that's meant for the children. And as such, she becomes part of the children of God. Her previous status as a dog, gone. She's not a dog. She is a child of God, loved by God. And here's the thing we should never forget, brothers and sisters. We all approach Christ as dogs. All of us. But we feast like sons and daughters. We come and we approach trembling with shame and weighed down by sin, yet we sit as guests of honor, clothed in the grace of God. And today, brothers and sisters, the altar that's also a table is set. And let us feast today, brothers and sisters, not as dogs, but as forgiven, as loved, and as cherished by God. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thanks for listening to the podcast. If you are ever in the area, please join us for worship. We'd love to meet you. If you have any questions about what you heard, or if you would like prayer, please reach out to us on our Facebook page or our website, zionstoneucc.com. We also are raising funds for some repairs to our stained glass windows. So if you get a benefit from listening to this podcast, please head over to gofundme.com slash Zion Stone Church Repair Fund. God bless you and thanks for listening.